0: I'm, <laughs> I'm absolutely delighted to have a chance to be here. I, um, I love coming to schools, coming to colleges, and talking on this subject, because I can tell you without exaggerating in the slightest that there is a very, very good chance that what you're going to hear tonight is going to change the rest of your life. And that sounds like a big statement, Um, But I can tell you this because of the sheer number of people who have seen some of this information that we just didn't know before after they've gotten married and after they've had heartache and difficulties and they didn't know where they were coming from and just wanting to have a successful relationship and not having any idea where this weirdness was coming from and why they were in the state that they were in, or even if they had a good relationship, didn't know where some of the clashes were coming from, and suddenly seeing some of this information completely transformed their relationship. And so one of the most common comments that we have gotten from, when I say we, I mean me and my husband, because he researched and wrote for men only with me, um, One of the most common comments that we've gotten from people is, I wish I'd known this before I got married. I wish I'd known this when I was in my teens and in my 20s, before I developed all these habits and these ways of thinking about the opposite sex. And it is absolutely transformational when you have the right information. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kind of rewind and back up and tell everybody in the room, get us all on the same page, that we don't realize it as men and as women. We, we truly don't understand that there is a lot of information already built up in our brains by the time you're in your 20s. There's a lot of information that you've built up and ideas and assumptions about how guys are thinking or how girls are thinking. And a lot of that information, not all of it, certainly, but a lot of it is actually wrong. <laughs> and not just like, a little wrong but a lot wrong and there are some ideas and beliefs that you have that you developed ever since you were probably little kids on a playground somewhere when you're like why did he do that or why did she do that or girls are just weird or what are boys thinking and you get these ideas oh i bet you this is what boys are thinking or i get this okay this is why girls are weird <laughs> and you get these ideas And it goes into your knowledge base in your head. And on top of those ideas, you build habits on how you're relating to each other. And, okay, this is what they need in that situation. Or, okay, this is what I'm going to, I really want to make them feel loved. So this is what I'm going to do. And you don't realize that in some cases, again, not all, but in some cases, you're trying so hard and you don't realize you're trying hard in the wrong areas. And it leads to frustration, and it leads to heartache, and it leads to the most important person in your life feeling uncared for. And all the time, you have no idea that that's what's going on. And so we are going to rewind, and even though we only have a really short bit bit of time tonight to get this information across, I'm going to just download as quickly as I can Sort of the Cliff Notes version. Do you guys even still have Cliff Notes? You probably don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? This was big when I was in college. The short version, um, the the Google overview version, <laughs> the the Wikipedia version <laughs> of what is it? that you most need to know just to get you started, to open your eyes in some of these areas, and then you can look into more on your own, okay? But what we're going to do is debunk a few things and give you the right information, and then you can, you can um, go further in whatever areas you want. Let me briefly tell you, again, Bruce get, got us started, but let me just tell you how I stumbled over this, because, again, as an analyst not the normal background for talking about relationships. I'd actually moved from New York, where I worked on Wall Street. I'd moved down to Atlanta, and I stumbled over this stuff because I had the opportunity to write a couple of novels. And one of my main characters in my second novel was a man. And the way I framed this character, this main character, is he was a good, decent guy, and he was a, a great, you know, husband and father and a successful businessman. That was the way I painted this character. And ladies, as to the women in the room, I will tell you, you really realize how little you know about how men actually think when you have to write their thoughts, okay? It's a novel. I couldn't just say what this character was doing. I had to put thoughts in his head, And I realized, I have no clue what a guy would be thinking in some of these really personal situations. And so initially, I set out just to interview a bunch of guys, and if I was out to dinner with another couple, I'd, you know, go to the other husband and ask him a question, or if I was in a business meeting, we had a break, I'd turn to the man who was sitting next to me, and I'd say, okay, can I interview you? (laughs) And here's this scene that I'm writing in this book. What would you be thinking if this was you? in this situation. And as the guys started telling me what they were actually be thinking, I found myself going, "Really? <laughs> That's truly what you're thinking?" and it shocked me half the time. And I'd been married at that point almost 10 years, and I thought, "Why haven't I heard this before?" And I realized what I was hearing was so not only so surprising, but it was also really, really foundational stuff. This wasn't stuff these guys were saying that they felt kind of off in a corner once every three months. This was stuff these men were saying that they thought and they felt every single day, multiple times a day. And at that point, like I said, I'd been married so long, and I was realizing there was so much I didn't know. And that's how it set me off on this journey to not just write a novel, but to really, truly dig into this analytically, and it ended up becoming a giant research project. And that research project was not only based on hundreds and hundreds of personal interviews, and and let me tell you, I interviewed every man I could get my hands on. Okay, wait, that sounds really bad. (laughs) I interviewed every man I came across there for a couple of years. I mean, heaven help, the poor man stuck next to me on the airplane for two hours, right? And so I did all these personal interviews, and then eventually, because of the analyst background, on goes the analyst hat, and I ended up commissioning several nationally representative scientific surveys of men. I've now done three of them to understand and quantify, okay, this is common, what I've found, this is 75% of men say this, or 82% say this. And then we did the same thing on the women's side. What's the research project on the women's side? And hundreds of interviews, and scientific nationally representative survey. And then we did the same thing for teenagers, because so many people said, I wish I'd learned this when I was younger, and we did the same thing for 15 to 20-year-olds, Um, And that was for young women and for young men only. And so these books, when I talk about what I'm going to share tonight, just briefly downloading all of this, like Bruce said, this isn't my opinion. Usually if it made it into the books, it contradicted my opinion because it was so surprising. And so realize, though, uh, because I know you guys are all college students mentioning this matters, because you guys are all very analytical, you're in this mode, realize, though, that... If, I, if I'm standing up here and I'm making generalizations, I have to make generalizations, but there's always exceptions, right? If 75% of men said one way, by definition, 25% didn't, right? So there's always exceptions. Everybody's an individual. But the key is for you to hear what I'm saying and go, you know what, that does sound like my boyfriend. That does sound like this girlfriend of mine. And you're, you're going to get a sense for how this works as you go. And like I said, replacing the wrong information with the right one, the right information, will truly be life-changing, if you let it. If you let God open your eyes to this. And so that's our starting point. Okay, and then there's several others. Just so you know, this, um, the application of this goes throughout life. We're going to be talking about like romantic relationships type stuff here but just so you realize the application of this this is this is not just a boyfriend girlfriend situation this is also for those of you when you eventually go out into the workplace and you're working with men you're working with women of you know people of the opposite sex this stuff applies in the workplace it applies in every relationship in life so just realize there's going to be a lot of different ways we can get, we can go and I've done the research on on many of them like my last book that I released last year um, is on the workplace application of Understanding Men. So it's gone several different directions. When we end tonight, we're going to dismiss anybody who wants to dismiss, and then we're going to have an optional sort of question and answer time. So that if you want to stick around and ask a bunch of questions, we can do that if you'd like. And if you need to get off and get studying, I understand that too. Okay. so let me give you a quick overview. Um, I'm going to talk to the women first and I'm going to help you understand guys, and then I'm going to switch and talk to the guys. You ready for this? (laughs) (laughs) All right, women, for the women in the room. And like I said, I'm going to go really fast. There's a couple of things that you really need to sort of switch your brain about, about the primary needs, of the, of the guys in your life, especially a guy that you're interested in, not just male friends, but eventually a romantic relationship, and then eventually, for many people in the room, marriage. Because there is a very different primary need that men have than the primary need that we as women have, and we have no clue that it's there. See, we women, we most want to feel loved and cherished and adored, and that is what lights us up. And that's kind of what we think is the whole point of having the relationship to begin with, right? Like, if you're not going to feel loved, what's the point? And it's a huge surprise for us to find out that for guys, that's not the point at all. And that actually, according to the surveys that I did, if men had to make a choice, which They wouldn't want to have to make, but if they had to, the men said that they would actually choose to give up feeling that their wife or their girlfriend loved them if they could just feel that she respected them. Okay, and I'm seeing a lot of blank faces, so let me say that one more time. This is hard for us to get a handle on, and girls, I'm gonna say it in personal terms. What this means is, if you are dating someone, your boyfriend, He would actually choose to give up feeling that you love him if he could just feel that you respect him and you trust him and you believe in him and you admire him. And all of those things are more important to the average guy even than feeling that you love him. That is a big deal difference between men and women. And it gets us as women into heaps of trouble because we women are really good at showing love, right? We are really good at that. It just sort of comes out of us naturally, and we will say, honey, I love you. And we will do these things that we hope he'll find to be loving. And at the same time, without even realizing it, maybe we're criticizing him a lot or maybe we're questioning his decisions all the time or maybe we're teasing him or ragging on him in public in front of our friends oh that's a big one for guys or doing some of these things that the average guy sort of he thinks she she just doesn't respect me for a guy, that is his worst and his most painful feeling. And you know what? He actually won't feel loved. We've got to wrap our brains around this. And in order to do it, there is one assumption. You know how I said we've got these assumptions in our head and some of them are wrong? We've got to confront one assumption head on. And it is assumption that probably many of us in the room would have agreed with, especially in today's culture, and it goes something like this. It says, you know, love is supposed to be unconditional, right? But respect has to be earned. How many of us would have agreed with this? I know I sure would have. Two hands, yeah. There's a problem with that. Actually, there's several problems with that. For those of us in the room who do believe that the Bible does have something to say about how men and women are wired and how relationships kind of work best. The idea that love is to be unconditional, but respect has to be earned in marriage, that is a totally unbiblical idea. I had never seen this before. But some of you may be familiar with, there's this passage in the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Ephesus. Some of you may be familiar with this. And, and in this passage, it has a lot to say to us today because Ephesus at the time was like the New York City of the Roman Empire. It was, it was the center of trade. And commerce. It was a very cosmopolitan city with men and women to match. It was very much like today in many, many ways. And so what what God, speaking through Paul, has to say is really relevant to us. And there's this passage in Ephesians 5 that is a very long and detailed description of how men and women are to relate in marriage and how it will kind of work best. And it's a parallel discussion. So It's like husbands need to do this, wives do this, husbands do this, wives do this. And it goes on for a very long time, very detailed. And over and over and over, God says, Husbands, love your wives, right? Love your wives. Love your wives like Christ loved the church. What does he tell the wives? Respect your husbands. Respect your husbands. Respect your husbands. In different ways, in this very long passage, that's what he says. Not once, never once, in this whole detailed thing, does God ever say, wives, love your husbands. Not once. And why is that? It can't be because we're not supposed to show them love, because many times in the Bible, God says, love one another. So why this really clear distinction? I look at it and I go, I think God knows we women will do the love thing naturally, right? We don't have to be told. It just, Again, it just comes out of us. But God knows that is not how he has wired men. And that what men most need is to know that the most important person in their life is choosing to demonstrate respect and believe in them and support them even when we don't think he's earned it that day. And that's really where the rubber meets the road, right? (laughs) Because for those of us who are sort of like me, sort of the strong opinionated woman type, um, we kind of look at that. And and by the way, I know very few women who aren't. (laughs) We kind of look at that and we think, I don't know what that looks like. How do you respect somebody if you don't think they deserve it? How do you trust somebody if you don't think he's earned it. I don't know what that looks like. Well, you know what it looks like? It looks just like his choice to love you even if you're not particularly lovable that day. It's the same thing. We don't think of it as the same thing, but it's completely the same thing. And here's the thing for most of us as women to realize is what we don't necessarily, what what trips us up isn't necessarily that we don't respect the guy we're with because in most cases, we wouldn't be with them if we didn't respect them. In most cases, we do actually feel that way. What we don't realize and what's tripping up the relationship is that all day long, without knowing it, we are sending him the message that we don't respect him that we don't trust him, that we don't believe in him. And it's these simple little things that we have no clue about. I mean, seriously, and I don't know if anybody in the room has ever been in this situation, but have any girls in here been in the situation where your boyfriend is driving in circles and refusing to stop and ask for directions? Okay, since the advent of GPS, this is much less of a problem. And does anybody else find it weird that the GPS has a woman's voice? <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is an issue. But you know what? The <laughs> but the, <laughs> the guys all told me this is a perfect example where I would ask them for examples of, tell me what it is that's sending this message that she thinks you're inadequate. What's this pain, you know, painful feeling coming from? And the day-to-day little examples that I would hear would be things like this one. You know, where she's saying, honey, please just stop and ask for directions. And what they are accurately hearing is, I don't trust you. And if you think about it, girls, that is actually what we're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just sort of own that one. We are actually saying, I don't trust you to find your way, so let's stop and ask some other man for directions. Okay? Because, yeah, that might be a little bit of an issue. And it points out something that is so stinking hard for us as girls, which is that it's just a choice. Are you going to choose to trust him or not? Knowing he's a big boy, he's got a clock on the dashboard too, he knows whether you're going to be late or not, and you have to kind of own the fact that, you know what, sometimes they're feeling that way because, you know what, we don't completely trust him. It is one of the most profound things that we as women can ever do is to recognize the power to him of showing I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose to believe in you. I'm going to choose to appreciate you. And that for them is this huge, wonderful thing. I mean, my husband, (laughs) ever since I realized this, my husband will sometimes look over and I'm vibrating in the passenger seat. I'm trying so hard to not say, just stop it. Ask for directions, and he'll look over and he'll go, "Thank you, honey." <laughs> <laughs> it's like giving him a dozen roses. <laughs> but see, here's the thing: we don't realize. Again, we we have no rea- we have no idea of how easy it is for them to hear disrespect when we don't ever intend it. We have to learn it. I wish I could go you into all the examples of this. But let me also tell you for, I'm assuming that the, that there's a few married people in here, but I'm assuming that the vast majority, <laughs> there's a few who like whoa. <laughs> but obviously the vast majority of you aren't married and I can tell you ladies, for those of you who aren't, this subject was one of the ones that came out the most when I was talking to the single men and interviewing and surveying the single guys is that for them, one of the most powerfully appealing things is the sense that this woman really believes in them. They think they're able. They think they're adequate. They think that they're good at things. They notice what they do. They appreciate them. You know, I always tell women, if you don't believe what I'm saying, don't believe it. Just try it. Try saying things like, thank you so much for doing that. I really noticed you did a great job. Try saying not... Just, I love you, but I'm so proud of you. And watch how it impacts them. It's huge. So I had this conversation with a girl who was about 20 years old, and she was in college, and she was having a hard time believing that any of this was true because it kind of goes against the cultural grain, right? It goes so against this. And so I said again, don't believe me, just try it. And so a few nights later, she went off to her job, and she was a waitress, you know, part-time while she was in school, and she was at a gigantic restaurant outside of Atlanta, and there had been a guy that also worked at the restaurant named Kyle that she kind of had had her eye on for two or three months, really nice guy. They'd never really had too much of a connection, but she was like, okay, I'll try this, (laughs) And she had noticed over the last couple of months that there had been this tension in the air between Kyle and one of the managers. And in fact, the tension had made it nasty for everybody. Everybody had been having problems because of this relationship with the two of them, constantly getting into it. And she noticed one night, this night, the manager approaching Kyle and wanting to get into it again. And she watched as Kyle said, you know what, I'm just not going to get into it with you, man. I'm just not going to. It's going to mess everybody else's night up. We can take it out later. We can talk about it. We'll just deal with it later. And, and refused to mess up the evening for everybody. And she went up to him a couple of minutes later, and she said, um, you know, Kyle, I just have to tell you something. I saw what you did with the, with the manager and how you protected all of us. And I really, really appreciate that you didn't get into it with him. You are a real man of honor. I I really, really, really respect that. And she walked away. And she said, she came back. She told me later, Shanti, he followed me around all night. (laughs) (coughs) Because this was such a powerful feeling. Now, why is that so powerful? Why is that? Why is that such a big deal? What is it about, you know, the subtitle of the book is What You Need to Know About the Inner Lives of Men? Why is that such an issue? Here it is. And, guys, I'm going to blow your cover. (laughs) We think guys look so confident in themselves, you know? And we kind of sometimes think, you know what? He looks a little too confident in himself. He could be taken down a peg or two. And we have this idea of you guys having this massive ego and, you know, having this confidence. And girls, it's just a sham. Underneath the surface of that confident exterior, the guys are feeling this one feeling, which is, I want to tackle a challenge. I want to do great things. I have this desire to do great things. But I'm really not sure I know exactly what I'm doing, and I hope nobody finds out. Okay, underneath the surface, there is a huge amount of vulnerability and insecurity that we don't even know is there. There is so much self-doubt, and so guys are asking themselves this one question, which is, do I measure up? And they are looking to the people around them, especially the most important people in their life, especially girls, for the answer to that question, do I measure up? Do I have what it takes? Am I any good at all? That is the heartbeat, the heart cry of a man. And so they're looking to you for the answer to that question. And so when you say, I noticed that amazing thing that you did, thank you. It's like, ah, oh, fills them up, dozen roses. It's a huge deal to a guy. And at the same time, because they have this question, do I measure up and am I any good at all? Because of that, it's so easy for them to see you saying, no, you're not any good at all. As a matter of fact, you are inadequate. And it is so easy to send that message without realizing it. It's often, girls, it is often so much not what you say. It's how you say it. And let me just give you a crib sheet before we have to move on, okay? Because we've got to turn the tables and talk to the guys for a minute. <laughs> One guy, (laughs) I love this comment, he came up to me and he said, you talk to a lot of women's groups, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, I'm going to give you a rule, (laughs) okay? He said, this is a rule from me to the women of America. like, all right. (laughs) 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 And he said, any time a woman starts a sentence with why did you dot, 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 you know, why did you make that decision? Why did you do that thing? He said, in the man's mind, just add on the end of that sentence a comma, you dodo. And I said, um, what? And he said, yeah, we're just thinking, you're saying, why did you do that, you dodo? And and I said, okay, hold on, you know, um, what am I supposed to say instead? If I have to ask why, I have to ask why. So what do I What? And he and when I said what do I say instead? He looked at me like the answer should be so obvious, like I had two heads or something. (laughs) And and he said, How different would it be if you said, I know you must have had a reason for that. Can you help me understand what it is? And I realized, oh my gosh, sometimes I am say I sometimes I am saying you dodo. (laughs) Because I, I I don't know about you girls in the room, but how many of us girls have found ourselves thinking to ourselves or saying out loud what was he thinking right okay we just kind of what was he thinking okay you know we you know what the translation of that is the translation of that is he wasn't thinking okay again let's just own that he's a big boy he's smart okay so realize that so many times these assumptions the way that we're acting and relating can change so much just by switching how we view something. And again, not what you say. It's how you say it that will make a huge difference. Again, for the rest of your life, seriously. Some of you already may have great habits in this area, but some of you may have had no clue about how you were coming across and sending a message that you had no idea about. So let's switch it. Let's talk to the guys for a second. All right, to the, to the, to the men in the room. First of all there is one assumption, giant overarching assumption that the guys are going to have to toss out the window. Because the assumption that <laughs> that I discovered when my husband and I were when the publisher asked my husband and I to research and write for men only, he was Jeff was strangely um reluctant. And and I said, "What wh- what is it? Do you not think you'd do a good job of the research, no, you know, I'm pretty analytical. I could do that. Well, do you not think you do a good job of the writing? No, I, I, can, I can write okay. Well, well, what is it? Why, why are, don't you want to tackle the subject? And he said, well, he said, it's because, well, you women can't really be understood. <laughs> I said, excuse me? And he said, well, every guy knows that you women are just kind of random. <laughs> what? And he said, every man knows you women are kind of random. He said, we had been talking about um, the, the whole analogy of a map, of mapping, you know, being sort of firm terrain that can be mapped. And he said, look, you know, he said, we've been talking about this map analogy. And he said, you women, you're not firm ground. He said, you're kind of like a swamp. It's like, and every man knows, you know, when you step into a swamp, you're going to get sucked into quicksand eventually. And if you've ever watched an old movie, you know, the only thing you can do when you get sucked into quick, quicksand is just shut down and not struggle and hope somebody comes along to rescue you. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he said, that's what you women are like. I'm like, excuse me, we are not random. You know, if we've been, if, 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 if you see this randomness, it's just there's something different going on because we can be systematized and understood just like you men can. So this was just basically a giant research project to prove to Jeff that we can be understood. And, and he was eventually convinced, believe it or not. So the first assumption that the men are going to have to throw out is the idea that women can't be understood because I can promise you we can be that you can understand your girlfriend and eventually your wife and make her happy, and it is not as complicated as you think it is. It's just, again, there are certain ideas and certain assumptions that you have in your head you're trying really hard and don't realize you're trying hard in the wrong areas. So let me give you an example of one of those things. And this is one that came out when we were doing the research for, for young men only with 15 to 20-year-olds. And one of the things that is just really... Um, misunderstood is what girls are looking for and what they find attractive and what you should be putting your efforts on and your energy on and here's basically the the short version is that what we did is we when we were surveying the girls we gave them a list of all of the things that they might find attractive in a guy and we said what are the top attributes and what are the bottom attributes so sort of of all these attractive qualities um, things like um, he's got an attractive face. He's athletic. He's rich. Uh, he's got a buff body. He's thoughtful. He's got a sense of humor. He's self-confident. He's adventuresome. He's got a, um, a personal faith, etc., etc. Say these twelve things. What are going to be the things that are the most attractive to you about that you're going to find most appealing? And when we show the list to the guys, the guys are like, "Oh, pff, that's easy." Buff, body, athletic, and rich. (laughs) I mean, those are going to be the top things. And guess what? Guess what the bottom three were? Guys, those three. (laughs) The bottom three, well, actually the bottom four, were buff, body, athletic, rich, and cocky. All the things that guys think would be at the top of the list. You know what the top of the list was for the girls? Sense of humor. Thoughtfulness self-confidence and here's the reality is that what you think she's looking for is all of the stuff that is actually the most depressing stuff for you because you kind of have to be born rich right you kind of have to be born with a natural athletic ability